Howdy, folks. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner non-stop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round-trip Super Skyway Tour. Today, I want to share with you some of our ideas for Disney World. Good luck, Mars team. You are on the clock. Yes, folks, we only have high-class stuff on this ship. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort. And we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World and all things Disney memories and their connections to the parks that we know and love today. I'm Dewey, one of the hosts of the show, coming to you from my home in Delaware, and this is episode number 51 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. We thank y'all for being here with us. Before we get into this episode's main topic, we'd like to invite y'all to connect with us through all of our show's social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube, and on Twitter. And don't forget all things WDW Reflections Podcast. Head on over to our website at wdwreflectionspodcast.com. All right, so with that out of the way, let's get started with the show. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony, coming to us from Cleveland, Tennessee, my good buddy, Ron. How's it going, Ron? Doing well. It's been a bit, but... Excited. It has been a bit. It has, and um, so I'm excited about being here and just having some fun today. We haven't recorded since September, and uh, we, we try to do at least one show a month, and we're we're squeezing this one in. We're recording this on the 29th of October, so we are getting it done uh, in, in the month of October, so good to see you, Ron. Good seeing you. And how about my good buddy coming to us from the Big Apple? My good buddy, Tony G. What's up, Tony? Hey, guys. Good morning, everybody. Just wanted to uh, say again, like I did last time, happy Halloween. This time it's official because we're recording the Halloween week. <laughs> I, or, I should, or should I say Merry Christmas, the way Disney celebrates things. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a while. And uh, I, in this whole time, I've grown a year older and Disney's turned 100 years old. So it has been a long time since we've done a show. Well, I don't think it's been 100 years, but it has been a month. It's felt like 100 years. It has. I went into Lowe's a couple of days ago. I had to get something. Uh, and all the Christmas trees and stuff were up. And I was like, okay, I guess it's Christmas. So you're right. I did see. Um, so I want to do a poll real quick. Impromptu. Okay. Because this is an argument in our house. Not uh, an argument, but a uh, debate. A debate. That's when a does the Christmas tree go up? When does the Christmas tree go up? When does the Christmas tree go up? For me, after Thanksgiving at some point, traditionally. Okay. Yes. Um, way, way after, usually. Traditionally, my family, when I was a kid, we would always put it up 
the Friday after Thanksgiving. So exactly. yes. turkey on Thursday, tree on Friday. Yes. Um, me, I, I, I'm a, I'm a December guy, you know, it's a, you know, October let's have orange and black and pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns or whatever. Turkey is in November and Christmas trees are in December. That's just me. You know, I'm, Sounds like, I'm a song. Very, like in a box kind of guy that, you know, it's gotta be here and here and here, you know, uh, I guess the military did that to me, but, um, yeah, these folks that are putting up Christmas trees and stuff and, you know, like Disney does in October, uh, that just, that, that drives me out of my mind. My, my wife has decided Christmas begins on November 1st. Well, you might want to show her a calendar <laughs> <laughs> because it is indeed not in the month of November. <laughs> yeah. So me, we, my thing is that you celebrate Thanksgiving in the Friday after Thanksgiving begins the holiday season. Yeah. Or the, or the Christmas yes. season. Yeah. Holiday, Black Friday. Always, it was always yeah. like the house too. And even the Macy's Day Parade agrees with me. They bring in Santa Claus at the end of the parade. So well, that's the thing. As soon as Santa Claus up, appears. Yeah. Um, yep. On Thanksgiving night, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, but looks like I'm going to have a tree up probably November 1st. Well, well, Technically, I mean, speaking Disney-wise, it's okay because they do that at the park, and they've got a movie called The Nightmare Before Christmas, which takes yeah. takes place between things uh, Halloween and Christmas. So you can celebrate yeah. for months. It's a, I actually, uh, when I first saw that come out, I was not super thrilled about the idea of that movie, but it's a really good movie. Actually, it is a good movie. The title's kind of weird, but it is it is a yeah. weird movie. Not sure if you know this, but actually, the Nightmare Before Christmas is not actually has nothing to do with that movie. It's actually uh, putting up your Christmas tree in November. That is the Nightmare Before. <laughs> That's literally what it is. There you go. So sorry well, we to interrupt our intro, but we agree with you. Not that that's going to get you any headway. Exactly. Uh, but um, you know, good luck with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Why are we talking about Christmas in October? We're just as bad as they are. Hey, yeah, by the time are. we get together again, it'll be New Year's. So no, <laughs> no. we, we got to be better than that. We got to be better than that. All right. So this week, we're going to get back to what uh, what we like to call the bread and butter of the show, kind of what we envisioned for the show when we began it over two years ago, which is crazy to think. Episode 51. So yeah, this, is, this has been going on for two years. But we're going to get back to Walt Disney World attraction history. That's kind of how we started the show. So this episode, we're going to go back and talk about a Walt Disney World opening day attraction, the Country Bear Jamboree. So uh, I made a joke with Ron earlier. And uh, because uh, as we all know, he has not seen the Tiki Birds. He's not seen, uh, you know, that's not even what it's called, the Enchanted Tiki Room. So uh, before we started the show, I uh, I said, Ron, so before we record this one, you've seen it, right? And he has confirmed that he has, in fact, seen uh, the Country Bear Jamboree. So I think we're safe to record this one. So, all we right. We're safe so, to record the other one. You just didn't like that I had an opinion without seeing look, it. I have actually started a script <laughs> for uh, Tinky Birds, uh, but I want you to see it before... We do it. So I need you to get down there. I need you to go see it. 
All right, so today we're going to delve into the history of a beloved attraction that's been entertaining guests at Walt Disney World for decades, the Country Bear Jamboree. Before we get started, let's set the stage. It's the late 1960s, and Walt Disney World is in its planning stages. Walt Disney had a vision for a magical place where families could escape the real world and step into a realm of imagination, just on the opposite side of the country from the original Disneyland. But this wasn't the only major project being planned by the Walt Disney Productions in the late 1960s. On December 18th of 1965, just a month after the announcement that Disney had purchased 27,000 acres of Orlando, Florida, uh, just south of Orlando, Florida, the Los Angeles Times published a story titled, U.S. Chooses Disney to Develop Sequoia Resort. This announcement referred to what would become known as the Mineral King Ski Resort, the never built ski resort that was supposed to be in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. The resort was going to be 227 miles north of Los Angeles in the Sequoia National Forest. Walt was sure that the skiing, hiking and other outdoor activities would keep visitors close to the resort during the daytime hours but he was concerned that guests would venture away from the resort at night. And then when they leave the resort, they take their money with them. And you know Disney can't have that, right? So even way back in the 60s, that was the, uh, that was the, the way they were thinking. So Walt wanted to find a way to keep them on property there at that Mineral King Resort. An excerpt from the book Disneyland, The Nickel Tour by Bruce, Bruce Gordon and David Mumford explains how Walt envisioned keeping these guests on property. Walt commissioned Imagineer Mark Davis to come up with shows that would keep these folks and their money right there at Mineral King. Walt, Walt thought maybe we should do a show that had something to do with bears, Mark recalled. Lots and lots of bears. So <laughs> I just found that humorous. Lots of bears. Mark Davis sketched dozens of ideas of larger-than-life singing bears, and the original plans were to have many bears singing all styles of music. As Walt, as Machineer Walter Rogers recalled, Walt's plan saying the drawings that Walt saw had all kinds of bears, not just a country band, but jazz band, a circus band, lots and lots of choices. And as we all know, following the passing of Walt Disney, the Mineral King, Mineral King Resort, was never built. But we also know that good Imagineering ideas never die. So as the Magic Kingdom began to take shape, Imagineers were tasked with creating attractions that would captivate visitors. With the change in location from the Sierra Nevada mountains of California to Central Florida, when the, the decision was made to bring the country bears to, or to bring the bears to Florida, they decided to give it a more Florida feel. That meant focusing on bluegrass and country western music, popular genres in the South, and the addition of mentions of Florida in the script. The Country Bears featured a cast of animatronic bears with distinct personalities, like Big Al, Liverlips McGrow, and Henry. Mark Davis's inspiration for the characters created for the Country Bear Jamboree came from a variety of places. When Henry, our Country Bear host, introduces Trixie, he tells them they're about to enjoy a special treat out of Tampa. And when he introduces Bunny Bubbles and Beulah, the trio of sad singing Country Bears, he calls those 
little sunbonnets from the Sunshine State. When Henry refers to Liver Lips McGrawl as the Miami Serenader, and he tells us that Big Al grew up in the swamps that became Walt Disney World. So all of those little Florida-isms, I guess you could say, became a part of the new script when when Mineral King kind of fizzled out and they brought it back to life for the Florida park. So those inspirations that Mark Davis took to create these characters were from uh, a few different places. Henry and Wendell were based on a comedy uh, country western duo known as Homer and Jethro. And just like Henry and Wendell, Homer played a guitar and Jethro played a mandolin. In later interviews, Mark Davis also said he based the look of Wendell on fellow Imagineer Harper Goff, who, like Wendell, was also a a, a picker. He played uh, banjo, whereas uh, uh, Wendell was playing that mandolin. So what I found interesting when I was doing research for the show is, you know, Disney doesn't do anything halfway. They never just halfway do anything. And I found uh, not only do obviously all the characters, all the bear characters have names and stuff, but there's actually a really elaborate backstory. Every character has a, uh, a at least a paragraph that tells us, you know, a little bit about their backstory. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just want to throw in a little bit of information for you. So Henry, we know Henry is the 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 MC, the master of ceremonies. It, it, he stands six feet tall in his stocking paws. He he was a famous football player before he entered show business. So all kinds of just like crazy backstory stuff. Gomer was the piano player. He didn't always play country and western music. He was a classical piano player. Uh, the Five Bear Rugs, you know, the big band. They began playing music together when they were in first grade. <laughs> and here you go. Here's some funny stuff. 15, you know, 15 years later, they're still playing together in fourth grade. <laughs> it's just silly. That's just funny. Uh, Wendell was a frustrated basketball player, and he quit the game when in a team photograph he discovered he came up to the players, other players' knees. So Wendell's a little fella. So just a, just a couple of, you know, I just wanted to throw a couple of those out there. It's just really really amazing to me that somebody sat down and was like, okay, these, these animatronic bears, we got to give them a backstory, you know, so they're believable or something, you know, that like, I just, I feel like that happened in a boardroom and they're like, yeah, let's make these bears backstories believable. These, these bears that play guitars and sing just good. Just, just funny to me. Just funny to me. I think it's very important for them to do that in order to create, uh, bring them to life a little bit more. Funny thing is, and I, as when I was reading all of this stuff, they said one of the one of the reasons why it kind of fizzled out with the backstories and stuff is as it as this attraction moved across the world to other parks, the the backstories being, you know, Florida swamp and all that stuff didn't really fit because when it made it to Disneyland, it wasn't uh, it wasn't supposed to. The setting wasn't a Florida swamp or whatever. It was like the the North Woods or of of Northern California, where these bears came from. So some of the backstory, I guess they kind of you know put that out of the 
out of the focus or whatever because it, the backstory didn't fit for the other the other parks in other parts of the world. So they wrote the backstory before they wrote the script and uh, chose the songs. That's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. They were as they were developing. I guess it probably probably was happening um, at the same time because the people writing the script weren't the ones putting the music together. It was obviously a team. So you know that kind of stuff. So it, it was probably happening at the same time. But it, it just it just blows me away that you know it's not just a it's not just a roller coaster. You know when you're talking about Disney, it's it's small details. Amounts. Yeah, absolutely, small details. And like I said, I'm just reading uh, the first two or three lines from each of those each of those yeah. biographies. They're they're literally at least at least six or eight lines. You know, a pretty decent sized paragraph for everyone. So it's. It, it just blows me away that they they sat down and did this for you know animatronic bears, but that's that's why Disney special. So uh, we, that was we talked about a little bit of the script. We talked a little bit about the characters, but what do you think is probably the most important piece of the Country Bear Jamboree? What do you guys think? What have I not talked about yet? Music. The music. That's right. Absolutely. So the music for the show was just as colorful and honestly hilarious as the characters. Many of the songs were simply cover versions of actual country western songs that had references and puns and stuff like that that was already within them. They didn't even have to write songs special for the show. They already had they had comedy in these songs. They just made it uh, a little bit more funny cuz they had a bunch of bears singing it. So for the sake of time, I don't necessarily want to talk about every single song that uh, that is in the show because uh, I've got a list here. Uh, I'll just go down the go down the line. Um, the five bear rugs. My woman ain't pretty, but she don't swear none. That's one of my favorites. Mama don't whip little Buford. Tears will be the chaser for my wine. Pretty little devilish Mary. How long will my baby be? How, say that five times fast. How long will my baby be gone? All the guys that turned me on, turned me down. Part, we did all that we could. Blood on the Saddle, the Ballad of Davy Crockett. Blood on the Saddle again. You know, Big Al keeps busting in with that same song. Old Slewfoot, and then the, the final, the finale has come again. So that's the list of the songs from the original version. And think about it, that's an awful lot of songs for an attraction. Oh, absolutely. I'm, that's I didn't count it, but that's like twelve or something. Yeah. And of course, they're not full songs. You know, not right. first verse, chorus, second verse, chorus. You know, it's just you know, minute, minute and a half or so. But that's that's twelve songs. So I do want to talk about a, a couple of the songs specifically, though. So, for the sake of time, like I said, not going to talk about every single one. But uh, when I was doing my research, I did find. A pretty cool uh, little website that had a really detailed kind of, I guess it's a blog, a nice detailed blog about all of the songs and the music from the original show. And so if you're interested, I just want to give a shout out to the the place where I found it. It's passporttodreams.blogspot.com. And it was a really cool, uh, I, I enjoyed reading the whole, the whole rundown of these songs. So I appreciate the hard work that they did for for us to be able to read some of this information. So one of the one of the co several cover songs originally performed by were performed by Homer and Jethro, who was that that comedy country western duo that I mentioned before. 
Uh, the first one is the Fractured Folk Song. And um, the second one that they did also was a cover of Homer and Jethro was Mama Don't Let Little Buford. Don't whoop Little Buford. Mama Don't Whoop Little Buford. Mama Don't Pound on His Mama Don't Whoop Little Buford. I think you should shoot him instead. And both of those were, were based on actual country songs. I just had a few of the lyrics changed for the show. In the case of Mama Don't Whoop Little Buford, that song was based on the tune of an actual song called Beautiful, Beautiful Brown Eyes, written in the late 1940s by Arthur Smith, but performed and popularized by Jimmy Wakely and Rosemary Clooney. Both They, they, they both released the song in 1951. The, original, the song's original lyrics say, I'll never love blue eyes again. Uh, but the Imagineers, when they put their their twist on the song, that's where they were talking about uh, Little Buford being bad and stuff. They said, I think you should shoot him instead, <laughs> which, uh, as we know, has had a little bit of a, a little bit of controversy in in recent years because of, you know, I guess those are kind of uh, edgy lyrics. But just uh, just an example of taking already existing songs and just switching the lyrics up a little bit. Uh, you guys ever hear of a fellow named Tex Ritter? Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. So Tex Ritter has two songs, two of his songs that were actually released country Western music uh, way back in the 30s and 40s. Tex Ritter's two songs were Blood on the Saddle, which we know uh, Big Al performs a couple of times. And then my woman ain't pretty, which Liver Lips McGraw is the uh, is the cover artist on that one. I, I that that blew me away when I read that those were actual country songs that were out in the 30s and 40s. Because um, you know, blood. I mean, blood on the saddle. I guess it could be this. That could come from a like a I'm John Wayne movie or something, a cowboy know? movie or something. Yeah. That. But my woman ain't pretty. That that song. I mean, it, I thought it was written for this show because it's so ridiculous, you know, so ridiculous. But it was an actual Tex Ritter song. So I don't know what they were doing back in the back in the 30s and 40s. <laughs> <laughs> but that that song is hilarious. I had no idea it was an actual song. So. I got a woman. She's got me. Whatever we do, we both agree. She ain't pretty, but I ain't too. The things we like are the things we do. A woman ain't pretty, but she don't swear none. She's kind of heavy, don't weigh a ton. She's my woman through and through. I love her only because her heart is true. I had a good time learning that. I, I enjoy learning new stuff. So uh, some of the some of the characters actually resemble um, I, you know, by design, actually resemble other people. 
We know that uh, Liver Lips McGrawl is kind of has this Elvis look going on. But uh, none of the characters, even the ones that sing the Tex Ritter songs, they did not did not go out of their way to make the, the bears actually look like the the original artists. So uh, those are just a couple of the songs that I wanted to highlight because I just found found it so incredibly humorous that those are actual real songs. You know, my woman ain't pretty. <laughs> I wonder well, who he wrote that about. <laughs> I, I know it's pretty sad. He probably got a, a hit on the head after saying that. Too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, even a song, uh, all the guys that turn me on, turn, turn me on, turn me down. I mean, yes, you couldn't even back in the sixties, you couldn't even say the word "turn me on." So it's kind of weird that 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 showed up in a in a song in nineteen seventy one, and a real song again. Yeah. Um, that was not written for this show. It was just recorded by a bear, but. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> re-recorded by a bear. I guess I should stay. I guess I should say. Um, uh, that, this is why I can. I'm. 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 Don't mean to jump ahead, but I could see why they want to update this a little bit because even words like "blood on the saddle" is kind of morose to be saying uh, when you're sitting there in the park trying to enjoy yourself. Right. Absolutely. And when I was reading through some of this stuff again, back to that um, that blogspot website that was so helpful. It was talking about, and I think I actually mentioned it later on in the script. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, I remember, you know, when I was growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, that that in those days, like the, 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 your, your school principal carried a paddle around. And if you did something wrong, you, you got whooped, you know, and that was whether that's right or wrong and whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, that's just how the thing, you know, you, if you did something bad, you got your you got your hiney your hiney and whooped. You know, hey, I've told stories about in in the eighties when my uh, if in the high, my high school teacher, if, if you didn't get the answer right in social studies, she would come over and tap you on the head. She'd push your head in, like um, with a, like with a ruler or something. No, or? with her hand, she just got like you know, just whack you in the back, whack of the you head. in the back of your head. Yeah, and I mean, and that was I don't know if I'd say that was normal, but it was. It, it was very common. Practice. I mean, there was not teachers touching kids. I I were right left handed, so I would tend to put my head down to write. And I had a teacher would come and pull the nap of my neck up to make me sit up. Wow. I was writing my head down. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I let's not, we're not going to make this a debate about corporal punishment, but yeah, that would be a different show. <laughs> What? Why? I guess my point is, is that when this show came out in '71, you know, right. Mama don't whoop little Buford. <laughs> yeah, wasn't like it wasn't outlandish. It wasn't, you know, people didn't go, oh, they're right. going to whoop that baby. You know, in fact, you laughed at it because it was right, absolutely. Funny. And I remember even when I was a kid in the '80s, it's it resonated with me. You know, I remember thinking, you know, oh, you know. He must have been bad. He's going to get whooped, you know, because yeah. that was normal. You know, you just got whooped if he was bad. So, uh, you know, when they when the show came out in 71, like I said, it was an opening day attraction. It, nobody would have even, you know, it wouldn't have made anybody's head turn. Nobody would have batted an eye at it. They would have been, you know, they would have been laughing at this. I know I was as a kid in the 80s. Yes. And and also think about the fact that when you go see it, you're so amazed at the animatronics, especially in that time, that um, you, you're not you're not necessarily paying attention to what they're singing. You're just kind of amazed at the fact that there are, you know, these things singing at you up there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. 
uh, you know, singing, dancing, guitar, playing bears. Right. Yeah, I think we forget um, with as much technology that's there and around us today that this probably looks very antiquated to the kids that go to it today compared to what, because now you can see Chuck E. Cheese and you've got the, you know, you just see it more often, but I'll never forget when we went into this show and I'm just like, was amazed because we'd never seen anything like this. And then not far after that, Teddy Rexpin came along <laughs> and you could have it in your house. So yeah, yeah. even that was amazing that you could have a little piece of what Disney created now as a toy in your house. So, I mean, it never is far from my mind how um, beyond its time Disney was, even in a simple attraction like the Singing Bears. Well, I mean, goodness. And we're, we're sort of getting off topic here, but sort of not. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the, the old school behind the scenes stuff. And we're not talking about, you know, computerized stuff. This stuff was analog, the, the way they right. they programmed uh, the, the characters and stuff. It yeah, was these old. gigantic tape machines in the basement there. Yes. Right. I mean, gigantic tape machines. I mean, it was unbelievable. Nowadays, it's all computerized and, you know, that's it's fine and dandy. But we're, we're talking late 60s when they're you know, built or 70, I guess, when they were building the parts and stuff. And, you know, the the enormous amount of programming for one character, let alone uh, there's, you know, almost 20 bears in this thing, you know, so. And they've got to be synchronized so that when they sing, their mouths move along with the song. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so. move, and not only the mounts, but they're also picking the guitars or their instruments or whatever it is that they're doing. Piano. There's a piano player yeah. playing piano. So, you know, it's super, super cool stuff. But yeah. So, um, you know, is, was it, uh, is it a little off color humor now about what, you know, cause you, you know, you're not allowed to whoop your kids. Right. You can't say that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Maybe it's a little outdated, but. And maybe I'm outdated, but it still makes me laugh. You know, even in 2023, it still makes me laugh. So, well, because it's kind of a piece of another of another. That's how I always see these things. It's a piece of another time. You're you're watching, especially a show like that. It's done almost vaudeville style, country vaudeville style, and and it's yes. presented in such a way that you actually believe that. I remember the curtain, or if there is a curtain, I remember it like parting and mm-hmm. and people coming down from the from the rafters and yes. at, at one part and. And it, it's actually presented as if these these bears are actually performing this show for you, and you're so taken by that that it's it becomes a, a fun experience, and you're not necessarily you know coming back from it saying, "Oh, I can't believe they sang that horrible song." Well, and I mean, I I'm going to try not to get on my soapbox, but people just take themselves too seriously nowadays. Nowadays, you know? yeah, yeah. Nowadays, nobody, nothing's a joke. Everything's an offense, and you know. Offending me, Dewey. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that was well, offensive. Well, remember the so, the word of the of the year seems to be problematic. Suddenly, everything that we've enjoyed for all of these years and we've grown up with and we're perfectly fine is suddenly problematic to the youth of today. And I yes. can say that, and I can say the youth of today because I'm really old. But I, I definitely think that um that that becomes an issue. However, I'm glad that they instead of I, again, I don't mean to jump 
far, but I'm glad that instead of uh, completely demolishing the, this attraction and saying, you know, this is, doesn't fit in with today's culture, they thought of a way to make it more fun. Well, you know, we always talk about uh, the triple the R's, you know, yeah. and so I'm glad that they're not going to destroy this. But yep. spoiler alert, that's coming. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. So um, I, I just wanted to talk about the, the songs for a, a couple of minutes because uh, really the, the songs are the, I guess, the bears are the star of the show. But I think the songs are the star of the show. Uh, I think the songs are really pretty funny. And like I said, I thought the songs were written for the show. I had no idea that me they too. Were I, I would never have known that. Nope. And that that blows me away that that in the 1940s you could you know be driving around in your Studebaker and hear Tex Ritter singing "My Woman Ain't Pretty" on the radio. That just <laughs> you know that just blows me away. So I definitely wanted to touch on that. So the Country Bear Jamboree was a groundbreaking attraction that combined Disney storytelling prowess with audio animatronic technology. A cutting-edge concept at the time, and was an opening-day attraction. Like I said, in at Walt Disney, Disney World, and so this correct. is one of those. This is one of those weird ones that actually premiered at Walt Disney World first before going to Disneyland. Stop stealing my thunder, Tony! Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's actually the very. So, first of all, you just said, you know, at Automatronics, you know, early '70s. That's great stuff, and and that is literally was the line I just read from my script. And then the next line is talking about it traveling over to California. So, Tony, did you read my script ahead of time? <laughs> I think you're, I think you're, you're, He's you're stealing getting scripts. into this. Yeah. Or you're clairvoyant or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, you're right. It was such a big hit at Walt Disney World. It became the first attraction from the Florida park to be cloned and sent across the country to California where it opened in 1972, where they actually built a new land just, uh, I guess, to highlight this attraction. Tony, you're nodding your head. You know what it is. Yeah, I know what it is, but I'm, I'm amazed that, that that's what they built the land for. It's kind of cool. Yeah, so Bear Country was um, the the first new area mm. that uh, that was built for a, a, an attraction like this. And it, it opened in 72, 1972. So... Country Bears was such a big hit in Florida, Disneyland just had to have it. So not only did it spawn a clone for Disneyland, it also found a home in Tokyo Disneyland, and it was an opening day attraction when that park opened in 1983. So the show was a delightful mix of country music and comedy, and it quickly became a beloved part of the Disney experience. The characters, songs, and humor struck a chord for audiences of all ages. Just a few breakdowns. The show featured 18 bears, a raccoon, a bison, a moose, and a stag deer. And we know that those three are the, the mounted heads on the wall. You guys remember that uh, in, back in the 80s when you left the attraction and you went into the mile-long bar, the, um, the, the three heads were mounted in the bar as well, and they would talk to you. Oh, yeah. The, the attraction. Yeah. You guys remember that? Right, yeah. Another super cool thing that uh, has been, you know, lost to time, but uh, that was super cool. So, um, although some of the songs in the show have received complaints from guests who didn't appreciate the lyrics about blood and corporal punishment, Disney has chosen to leave leave those songs in the show, 
reminding guests, and, and I don't know that they necessarily say this, but hopefully this is the message, reminding guests that songs are tongue-in-cheek and should be taken as comedy and not taken too seriously. As the years went by, Disney continued to evolve, as we well know, and new attractions and technologies emerged. The Country Bear Jamboree faced some changes, including the introduction of a holiday-themed overlay and eventually a shortened version of the show. Do you guys remember the holiday version? Did you ever get to see the holiday version? I don't think so. Yeah, I definitely saw saw that they had it. I can't remember if we went in and saw it or not. I remember seeing it. Uh, it ran, and I'm going to tell you here in a minute, but it ran for a long time. And uh, it was was just for the holidays. So something rare in Florida. They do this kind of stuff in California all the time, but uh, pretty rare to see in Florida. But because the show was a Christmas special, the characters in the show were put into Christmas-themed outfits for their various acts, such as winter hats, scarves, earmuffs, things like that. And there were some winter props, such as sleds and skis and Christmas decorations, they could also be found on the various set pieces. The show featured a variety of tra traditional country, not country, Christmas. The show featured a variety of traditional Christmas songs. I'm just going to read the list here for you. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Tracks in the Snow, 12 Days of Christmas. Hibernating Blues. I don't know if that's a traditional Christmas song. That sounds like something written for the show. Deck the Halls, Rock and Roll Santa, Blue Christmas, Sleigh Ride, Hungry as a Bear, The Christmas Song, Another New Year, Let It Snow, uh, and then the medley, the last one was a medley, is Let It Snow, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Winter Wonderland. And that was the whole, the whole cast coming together for the, the grand finale. So the Country Bear Christmas special ran from November of 1984 until Christmas of 2005. And that was the last time that they did the, the whole overlay for Christmas. Mm. So I know I saw this probably, I think I was there in December of 2004, I think is. Uh, yeah, we all were. That was the time of the meetup. So I may oh. have, what you're saying, I may have seen it then. Okay. Wow. I, I didn't put two and two together. Good call. So that was so 2004 is when when everybody met down there. Yeah. Okay. So, but I didn't get to meet you in person, Tony. No, no. Tear, tear drop. <laughs> um. So maybe you saw it. Maybe you just don't remember. I know for a fact I've seen it. I don't know. Um. I'm. That's just like if off the top of my head, I remember being there in December of 2004. So it would have been there. I'm not sure if that's when I saw it or not, but I definitely saw it at least once. So, but did you guys know that that's not the only alternate version of the Country Bear Jamboree? Do you guys know about the 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 other version? No. No? Oh, boy, I love teaching y'all stuff. So in 1986, Walt Disney World introduced yet another version of the Country Bear Jamboree known as the Country Bear Vacation Hoedown. Really? Because the show was a vacation hoedown, the characters in the show donned vacation-themed outfits for their acts, their acts, such as summer camp t-shirts, snorkels and raincoats, sailor suits and swimsuits. With the new show also came some new music. 
So just a quick rundown again of some new songs for this show. The Great Outdoors. The Let's see, Life's No Picnic Without You. On the road again, so that we know that's a Willie Nelson song. So these are some of these are our covers. Uh, we can make it to the top. California Bears, which I I I remember that distinctly as a kid because it was um, uh, the Beach Boys California Girls song, but it was sung by the three. Uh, was it Belle, Beulah, and whatever those the three girls, the three girl bears? Well, wish they all could be California Bears. Is that what they're singing? Yes, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> and it was, yeah, the California Girl. That's a Beach Boy song, right? Isn't yeah, yeah, California Girl. Yeah, so uh, the Sunbonnets is is what those girls are named, or like the name of their group, but they did that. It was, and I know I've got a, a, a video that we recorded from when I was a kid uh, that has, I distinctly remember that song being on the video. So that one resonates with me. Um. Uh, the next one, <laughs> Two Different Worlds. I remember that one because um, it was uh, one of the bears. I can't remember his name. Uh, it says here Shaker, but I don't remember a bear named Shaker. But in this show, he was uh, playing a guitar and he had a snorkel on and he had a, an octopus draped around him. And the song was called Two Different Worlds. And he was singing you know, we come from two different worlds, but you know, he's in, so he's in love with this octopus and she's like wrapping her tentacles around him and squeezing him and stuff. It was pretty funny. Uh, the, the, the octopus, her name was Dolores, by the way, in case you were wondering, um, uh, the five bear rugs did a version of Rocky top, that old Tennessee song. That's a, a bluegrass standard, uh, nature singing in the rain, ghost riders in the sky, on my way to your heart, and then the last one, which was the grand finale, another another ensemble piece. Thank God I'm a country bear. Bear, there you go. Not boy, <laughs> not boy, not Don, not John Denver singing. Thank God I'm a country bear. Country bears. So thank God I'm a country bear. So this version replaced the original version of the show uh, from 1986, and it played until 1992. So it was there. What is that? That's six years. So for six years, you didn't see the original version. It was only the, oh, wow. the vacation hoedown. So I know for a fact I've seen that one. Like I said, uh, I've got um, uh, a video of, of my childhood. So 86 to 92, I would have been 12 to 18 years old, somewhere around in there. So I'm guessing I, I must have seen that, too, since my first trip was in 91. So I, I definitely did everything. So I, I, I must have seen that. Okay. Don't remember it. Don't recall. No, that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that version. Okay. Uh, it was pretty good. And and I, and I'm trying to think. So I probably, my first trip was in 85. So I probably saw the country bear, the original show in 85, but I definitely know that I somewhere between 86 and 92, I saw this one because, uh, a video, uh, exists that my dad you know my dad recorded of that show because it specifically has the the uh california bears song in it so i remember gomer the piano player he had a, he was wearing like a hawaiian shirt and had a one of those straw hats on and everything and there was i think there was like a starfish or something on his piano like they just had you know props and stuff around that you know, made it seem beachy and like a vacation and stuff. 
So uh, that was a pretty good version of the show, too. But not everybody recalls, not everybody remembers that there were multiple versions of the show. And that one played, like I said, from 86 to 92. And then and when it came back in 92 with the original uh, original script and all original songs, it was slightly shortened uh, just by a few minutes. So I don't know. Uh, I didn't find any information about how they shortened it. I, I'm thinking they probably took a song out or something, but I didn't find that information. So despite all these changes, the Country Bear Jamboree still holds a special place in the hearts of Disney fans. It's a nostalgic reminder of the early days of Walt Disney World and a testament to the enduring appeal of good old-fashioned entertainment. And one of the things that makes me happy, and I guess why I feel like I have a connection to it, is because uh, it it actually is one of the few things that remain that actually came from uh, came from Walt Disney. You know, he didn't create the show. It was a Mark Davis. You know, that guy was a genius, but uh, creative genius, but you know, it it was Walt's idea, just let's do a show with a bunch of bears, you know, and it just spawned from that. But, you know, things that came from that era and, you know, that, that Walt had a had a hand in, uh, just th- that that means something to me. I, I just I feel like I have a connection with that. So that's uh that's the the good old fashioned entertainment that the sixties and seventies Disney really embodied. Unfortunately, not all versions of the show have remained. The uh, Disneyland version of the show was lost to history in 2001 when it was sadly replaced by anybody know? Tony, you've been to Disneyland. Yes. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. That is correct. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is now sitting in that location. So it's, I mean, I could see how I could see how it's kind of like a country uh, ish area back there so i haven't been to disneyland yet so is it still called bear country is it is that area i thought it was called critter country if i remember correctly okay so uh um, even though winnie the pooh is a bear you know i guess it technically would have fit it would fit in that area but so they've changed the name from bear country to critter country i believe so okay Um, and it that sounds familiar and it's one of the last things that you see right before going into uh, the galaxy's edge area but I, we touched on this last week. Uh, I'm sorry, last show. Um, Jen had mentioned that on the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh attraction, there is still a remnant of the original Country Bears, and we we specifically looked for it. And it comes in one of the rooms when you, if you turn all the way around, you look up on the wall and you see Melvin, Buff, and Max hanging up there, um, oh. really, really up high. I didn't know that. Yeah, I took a picture of it. If, if it showed up, I don't remember seeing it in the, in the photos I looked at, but I, I know that we turned around and took a picture of it. That's really cool because um, I guess that's uh, that's something they were trying to do because you know they uh, when they put Pooh, uh, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in Disney World and Fantasyland, it took the place of uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So there's a, a you know the the picture of Toad handing over the deed to. Uh, owl in that attraction so that's pretty cool i didn't i didn't know that they did that in the disneyland version too so it's actually the giant heads that yeah, the, the giant heads it's actually kind of creepy because you know winnie the pooh is all colorful and fluorescent and then you turn around and you see this giant deer head with big <laughs> eyes staring at you so and it, all it, three it, of them uh, are there all three of them are up there it's, it's they're up in the uh in the kind of the rafters 
Yes. Wow. I love that. That's cool. I didn't know that. So that's awesome. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we have a resident uh, Disneyland uh, expert here, Tony, because I, I haven't been. So I'm, I'm I'm lacking in that area. So that's awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for adding that. That's cool. I did not know that. I love it. So thankfully, Walt Disney World and Tokyo Disneyland versions are still entertaining guests daily, which brings us full circle to today. At D23, just a couple of months ago, uh, Disney announced that an all-new show is coming to the Country Bear Jamboree in the Magic Kingdom. So in 2024, the beloved bears will be learning an all-new act. They're going to be singing some of their usual songs and new styles, some uh, country, rockabilly, and bluegrass. But they're also going to be adding a a few, I guess, Disney classics, I guess you could say, to the show. And those songs are also going to have uh, a new a new feel, a new twist to them. So they're going to have, uh, I know for specifically in the D23 announcement, they showed a part of one of the recording sessions, and it was a version of Bare Necessities from the Jungle Book, and it was in a rockabilly style. So, you know, some some guitar strumming and some, you know, that kind of style. And it sounded pretty good. It was a lot of fun. It does. It sounded really cool. And so that's um, that's something for us to look forward to. They're going to throw in some, I guess, Disney IP. You know, which they're they're that's kind of their thing, you know, nowadays, but still going to have that country bear twist to it. It's still going to be country, western, rockabilly, bluegrass kind of style to some of your favorite Disney, uh, Disney favorite classic songs, I guess. And that's the only one we got to hear. That's the only one they talked about. But uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be some let it go or something in there. You know, there's got to be some frozen or. Maybe some tangled or something. I don't yeah, know. they'll they'll be they'll find a way to put Moana in there somehow. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm excited for that. Um, just says in 2024. Doesn't say when in 2024. But uh, I and I haven't heard anything about a, a closure for a refurbishment or anything yet. But heck, it's today is October 29th of 2023. So we're almost to 2024. So. That's probably, I don't know, if it's going to open in 2024, then it's it's got to go down probably early 2024. So, But I haven't heard anything. Uh, from what I understand, there's going to be uh, some, some improvements to the animatronics. And uh, I've been saying this for years, and I, I hope they do, and I assume they're going to make some improvements to the sound system in the country bear jamboree because it is very it sounds like a 1970s era stereo system you know it's not uh, doesn't have that full stereo sound you don't have you don't get the bass and you don't get that you know uh, surround sound feel or anything so i certainly hope that um they're when they're making improvements and i assume they will that they're going to add some improvements to the sound system as well but uh and i'm guessing they're going to because those are still the same country bear animatronics from the 70s so um, my guess is that they're going to update some of those too maybe to some some newer and easier to work on 
uh, animatronics because those old ones were on hydraulics. They they used actual hydraulic fluid and stuff, and those are hard to hard to work on and a little messy and stuff. So my guess is that it's going to go to the to the newer versions, but I uh, haven't seen or heard any of those kind of details yet. So there you have it, the fascinating history of the Country Bear Jamboree at Walt Disney World. From its pioneering animatronics to its enduring charm, this attraction has left an indelible mark on Disney history. And it's one of my favorites. I still, I don't know, I don't do it every time I go, but I like to see it, uh, I like to see it at least once a year. Uh, my uh, my family, not so much, and they moan and groan. I take them on stuff like Country Bears and the Hall of Presidents and the American Adventure. Those are some of my favorites because guess what? They're originals. You know, they're nostalgic and they go back all the way to uh, park opening, both for Magic Kingdom and for uh, Epcot. You know, both of those, uh, all three of those that I just listed. And Country Bears is is in that category the 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 family moans and groans when i make them go into there <laughs> but uh those are some of my favorites from memories from my childhood and plus just you know original nostalgic stuff from from early walt disney world so i love it i don't see it every time but i definitely see it um probably once a year at least so I wish they would bring back the Christmas one. That was fun. Yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And you said that this is now this is in in Japan, but it didn't make its way to Disneyland Paris. Uh, it did not make it to Disneyland Paris, which is interesting because I know that that side of the world loves the idea of of American culture and and um, and country music. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, they um and gosh, it's been. I went to Disneyland Paris in two thousand five, so. My some of my memories of that are are fuzzy, I guess, because that's what eight, almost twenty years 18 ago, eighteen years ago. Oh yeah, my gosh. that's um, crazy. But I know that um, that there is a you know like a I don't know if they call it Frontierland there, but they do have you know um, the uh, I think gosh, but I'm so fuzzy. It's terrible. Well, they would have the riverboat probably and stuff like that. Right? They had the riverboats. Um, I think they have Big Thunder Mountain. I think right now, Big I'm Thunder Mountain. questioning my memories. But I think I they think do. It's there. So they have like a, a western section. I can't remember. I don't think. Oh my gosh, I feel I feel old and my memory sucks, but. Um, I'm, I'm, I think they have a frontier land, but I'm pretty sure that they have the, the, that area, you know, I think that they have big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So it could have gone there. I don't know why it didn't. So, uh, but um, it wasn't there when, uh, when, when I went in 2005 and it, I didn't find it in my research for this episode. So I'm going to guess that it, no, it's not there. I don't know why I didn't make it there. Uh, probably budget. Every, every, uh, everything is always about budget. So mm -hmm. it was probably budget because I know that at what was then called Euro Disney was um, over budget and they were, you know, just bleeding money. So probably had something to do with that. All right, fellas. So thanks for reminiscing on some Country Bear Jamboree memories there. But enough of this chit-chat, yak-yak, and flim-flam. Just reframe from hibernate. <laughs> and we'll all enjoy the show. Because we so uh, not a whole lot to talk about 
in what's going on in Walt Disney World, what's happening around Walt Disney World. Not a lot of new uh, new stuff happening right now currently. Uh, I guess that was a few months ago preparing for the 100th anniversary stuff coming up. Um, since we last recorded, the, the Moana uh, Journey of Water has opened uh, to, to everybody at uh, Epcot over in Walt Disney World. That opened on October 16th. So just, uh, I don't know, 10 days or so ago, 20, 20, what's today? Today's the 29th. So 15 days ago, basically. Um, I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to it. I've, I've heard it's pretty, you know, but uh, it's open to guests and everything. So that's kind of new stuff. Um, I did see that Disney's ticketed after hours events that uh, have not been happening since since I guess the closures for COVID ha- are going to be coming back in January of 2024. So I guess all of the firework dessert shows and, and all of those things, those things are going to be coming back starting in January. And uh, so it looks like you can, starting in November, you can start booking those again. Um, the You know, those are cool because it's a limited number of guests that get to enjoy the park, you have to have a ticket to those. So anytime you can be in the parks and, and there be less people is a, is a good thing. So um, those are pretty cool. You know, ice cream novelties, popcorn, beverages, things like that. And, uh, you know, you pay an extra ticket fee to get into those. But those are coming back in 2024. So most things are, I guess, just about back to normal. Trams are back. and. Um, uh, the Disney dining plan is supposed to be coming back in 2024. And now these ticketed after hours events are coming back. So it looks like slowly, but surely uh, this is probably some of the last things that were closed because of the pandemic. This is some of the last things that, uh, that guests have been waiting on that are finally coming back. So um, I haven't, I, I've done a couple I've, I've only done like the, the Halloween parties and the Christmas parties uh, those kind of events. I haven't done any of the firework dessert shows. Have you guys done any of those in in the past? I think a very long time ago I did a, one of the fireworks shows, but it, too far for me to remember. I I'm, yeah, we did a. They had a pirates and princess party. Oh, princess and pirates, did. yes. And I'm telling you, it felt like we had that place to ourselves. It was incredible. Well, I remember the originally some of the early Halloween parties felt that way too, because they only let in a certain amount. Yeah, and but those numbers have increasingly grown, and that you know it it's it seems like it's the last time I went to one at least. It's been a number of years, probably a decade now, but at least uh, the last one I went to didn't really feel like I had the place to myself at all. It was, it seemed almost as busy as a regular day. It was really, really crowded. And, you know, so, yeah, we had that same experience. We've gone to a Halloween party, a Merry Christmas party and a princess and pirate party. And of those three princess and pirates, were definitely the least attended Christmas felt like any other day at Walt Disney world. Right. And, the hot 
the Halloween, I didn't, it was definitely less, but it wasn't significantly to the point that I felt like we could have gotten everything in. Yeah, that was my experience too. So uh, I don't know how many tickets they sell for those, um, the, like the confidential information. But it's um, uh, it's good that it's coming back. It's just given you know, uh, getting back to you know the the way things were before before the pandemic. So that's good news. All right, so let's go ahead and head on over to. The last part of our show, the last segment, this is what we call What's Your Favorite? Each episode, one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the question ahead of time and must answer the question on the spot. So this week, I'm going to take, I say this week, this episode, I'm going to take the 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 What's Your Favorite question and uh, gonna it's going to connect right back to the uh, the subject of our show today, the Country Bear Jamboree. Jamboree. So my question to you, fellas, is what is your favorite version of the Country Bear Jamboree? The original, the vacation hoedown, or the Christmas special? So, Ron, I'll head over to you first. What you got? Yeah, um, probably the original. I mean, that's the one I've seen for sure. Seems like I could have seen the Christmas, but it's been too long ago that I don't really recall. Um, and I really do like the original. It's just resonates with me. I like the comedy in it. And and it's, like you said, one of the original attractions that was involved with the opening of the parks. All right. So Ron's going with the original version. Tony, how about you? What's your favorite version of the Country Bear Jamboree? I like some of the things that you mentioned regarding the Christmas and the alternative version. But the one I'm most familiar with that I can think back on and know that I definitely saw is the original. And that one is is um, it's just a classic. And watching all the different characters come into motion um and present themselves on stage the way that they do that is just fascinating. It's a it's a lot of fun, especially is her name Trixie? Is it who does the little uh, Tammy Wine type song comes out mm-hmm. and sings? Mm-hmm. That's I mean it's just so fun. And so um, I would say that version. Although I would love to have seen the Christmas, I'm going to have to look that one up. So I'm going to go to probably my some of the the favorite times of uh, of my disney experiences was you know when in my childhood and that would have been you know in the in the mid to late 80s and the the show that was showing then was the the country the country bears vacation hoedown and i remember that one distinctly from my childhood and uh, i i loved that one i'm and like i said i, I mentioned earlier I, I have video of the 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 sun bonnet singing the california bears and everything and i can remember that so uh, i think that's what the one that i'm going to go with just because i i remember it so well from my childhood so i'm going to go with the country bears vacation hoedown so uh that's two votes you guys both went the original and uh i'm the lone wolf today going with the going with the vacation hoedown so but any version is good 
Yeah, and speaking of that, I have a follow-up question for you guys. What's what's your what song are you looking forward to them adding to this new version? Is there obviously a Disney song, but is there a specific Disney song that you would like them to add to the new version that they're doing? Right. Wow, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. I'll, I'll tell you guys. I, I'm I, I'm imagining that they're going to do. You've got a friend in me. Because I think be it awesome. leads. I think it le- oh. it, it lends itself to the uh, to the flavor of the show. It, you know that's. I think they need to add "Let It Go." Let it go. <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think of a "Let It Go" a country western oh. version of "Let It Go." <laughs> that seems like a hard one, but Tony, that's a really good. Yeah, I like that one too. I can, you know, the I can hear that on a fiddle. You know the that opening that opening. Uh, oh yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. I can hear that on a fiddle. Yeah, that's that's good. That's pretty good. Um, gosh, I don't know. That's good stuff. I'd have to think about that one. I, one of my favorite. I've men- mentioned it before, and I think you have this album too, Dewey. From I think it's from ninety three, ninety four. Is one of my favorite albums in my Disney collection is the country version of Disney. Uh, I can't I think it's country stars sing Disney or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that album. I, I used to play that over and over and over and over again. And there's neat versions of, um, of a whole new world and kiss the girl or two of my, I, I actually kind of like those versions on there better than some of the originals, but um, another possibility could be a dream is a wish your heart makes. I think someone saying that on there, you know, some of those, um, some of those classic songs, but I know I know they're going to find a way to sneak in how far you'll go in in there and and uh, I can see that yeah. as uh, as a as a country song yeah uh, I'm thinking I think what about Hakuna Matata Hakuna Matata sounds fun I could see I think that they could do a country version of Hakuna. yeah. In the Matata. I think can you was, feel the love tonight? Another one. That's another one from that. Absolutely. Album, that right? could yeah. definitely be a country song. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be fun to see. Uh it'll be fun to see that. I'm glad that Country Bears is not going away. I'm glad that I don't mind them updating stuff and and you know making it more modern or whatever. I'm okay with that. I'm just glad that we're not losing the country bears because it's it's a it's a classic. It's nostalgic, and and I'm I'm glad it's going to be around. So, all right. So that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please find and follow us on all of our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast, and on X at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on many podcast platforms, and we'd love it if you'd give the show a follow wherever you listen. And if you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. Make sure you check out the website at www.reflectionspodcast.com, and don't forget you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back because we truly appreciate you. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon.
Well, folks, this concludes our show. So thanks for bearing with us to the bare end and barrel around to see us again.